Hey, folks, we meant to say this in the beginning of the episode, but we forgot to. So I'm coming back with a little introduction here. We're going to talk about the unfilmed Episode 9 Duel of the Fates script. I'm not going to tell you where you can get it online, but it's easy to find online. And I would suggest you read it before listening to this podcast because it's going to make no sense if you haven't read that script. So I'm not saying where to get it, but maybe try and read it. Enjoy the show. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Matt and Liz. Welcome back, Liz. Hello. Thank you. It's good to be here again. And uh, we are here to talk about something really fun. So somebody, I'm not going to say who, because technically this is not a thing we're supposed to have, um, but we were sent the uh, the script for Episode 9 before it was a... J.J. Abrams joint when it was supposed to be directed and written by Colin Trevorrow, who mm-hmm. people know from Jurassic World, I think, primarily, um, when it was called Duel of the Fates. And so the, the script is 131 pages. It is a complete draft. It is uh, – it was – the draft is dated on the 16th of December 2016, which means this was written a full year before The Last Jedi was released – Mm-hmm. Which means that this was probably written based off of the first jet, the last Jedi script, and maybe seeing some. I think the I think the filming was already done at this point, but there's so much post production in a Star Wars film mm-hmm. that you know. So this is this has no reaction to the last Jedi. This is about as pure a third movie as we're gonna get, right? Because yeah. it's it, it it is not trying to push back against any of the quote problems with the last Jedi. Um, and so it's it's a really fascinating document. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into it, what do we all think? I really enjoyed reading this. There's one element I really disliked, but aside from that, I really enjoyed reading this. What did you think, Liz? I, I agree. I enjoyed reading it. I wound up splitting it up into two parts. I read the first half three or four weeks ago, and I read the second half last night. Mm-hmm. The first half I was really into. I was like, yeah, I'm into this. I'm also surprised at how much I enjoyed reading a script. I, I'm unsure as to if I've read a script before. Um, and I, I just the process of reading it, it's not dialogue, uh, which is, you know, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, um, which made me interested in how just the process of movie making goes from something like this to dialogue and such. Um, but it, just reading it, I thought it was sort of engaging and, um, I, I just pictured how this would move from page to actual movie. Um, I, the first half I felt like I was really into the second half. Um, I feel like not as much, but I don't know if that was just the way the, you read it. Yeah. If, if it was the fact that I split it up, um, the way I did, mm-hmm. I also felt like maybe it was a little dark, um, uh, <laughs> A little darker than I expected, but I felt like it made some real decisions. Yes. Um, I, I, I want to talk about that a little bit for sure. Yeah. I, I won't say anything in particular, but I felt like it definitely made some real decisions, which I did enjoy, even if maybe I didn't 
agree with some of them or maybe, you know, maybe if I saw it as a movie, I would feel differently in a sense. But yeah, I feel like it made some real decisions, which I do enjoy um, mm-hmm. as a movie and as, as in a Star Wars movie, which I feel like um, the last Star Wars movie didn't necessarily do. And I found myself, compa- I couldn't help comparing it as I read it. Of course. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Matt, what'd you think? I I, re- I really liked it. Um, I liked it from the fact that well, I it was the darkness for me. That was the idea. Like the it had stakes in it that it felt like the real film did not. Um, at any point, nothing seemed to matter. Because um, as we talked about, everything just seemed arbitrary and strange and out of nowhere. And this script um, really like finishes off storylines. We see them like finishing out things that they have laid in throughout the two movies and really throughout the whole series. Um, I thought it made callbacks that were like cool and interesting, not just, you know, boring fan service. Um, and it's the most interesting parts to me were the ones that um, were clearly like taken and then inspired moments in the um rise of skywalker is that the yes what is yes rise of skywalker but they did it so shittily (laughs) yes um because there's a couple scenes that you're like oh this is like that but wow way way better um i really liked it also as a fan of chewbacca i liked that chewbacca definitely had a better agent for this film um because his character is written awesome. Um, yes. Although he, he does get a medal in both films. <laughs> <laughs> After 40 years, yep. Chewbacca gets a medal. Yep. This Chewbacca. one is, is more definitive, though. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. Yeah, we don't pull it off of Leia's deathbed. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca growls, that's his damn seat. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I also think something to mention, too, is that this was written before the death of Carrie Fisher yes. and her character um, plays a major role throughout the film a- as does uh, Mark Hamill's. It seems like tons of people just got cut from this film for no seeming reason. Um, yes. So, well, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll, we'll get to all that, but yeah. Well, I, what I want to say about the Carrie, say I really enjoyed it. What I want to say about the Carrie Fisher thing is I feel like, it would have been easier to adapt, to give Carrie Fisher's part to two characters in particular in this script in a way that, like, one of the most annoying things about The Rise of Skywalker is just that I can't, like, use the flashy thing from Men in Black to let me forget that Carrie Fisher died before that movie was made. So whenever you see her on screen, you recognize, like, this is recycled footage. This was, you can see, like, the gymnastics that had to happen to get the lines of dialogue that she says to make sense in the, it just looks, it's like the if, if anyone out there has ever seen The Sopranos, it looks like the scene where Tony is talking to <laughs> clearly is the mother who's already dead, and it's like horrible mm-hmm. CGI, and they had to retrofit all this stuff for a scene that really doesn't matter. And I feel like Leia's stuff in The Rise of Skywalker really doesn't matter. It's just yeah. there because they could do it. They would have needed to come up with a more elegant solution if this was the script that got made. But I think that that script, that that decision would have led to 
a better product than what we eventually got, even with the death of Carrie Fisher. Still, but again, with there. the timing of this, though, you could have easily um, had Leia die and make it a like a poignant moment in the second film, and had Holdo step into that role moving forward. You could have shifted that. Well, I, I think that they. I think you could have even. Like, I was saying for a long time, I thought that the way episode nine would open would be with Leia's funeral. Mm-hmm. That you don't necessarily need to show Leia. That's one of the things that I feel like is, is just not. <laughs> I don't know why we have to show every single person uh, dying on on camera. Like. People die all the time in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they had Leia die off camera, it wouldn't have necessarily been a it wouldn't have been necessarily a bad thing for the film. I think it would have felt more true than mm-hmm. this film film was. Yeah. yeah. So he, here is here is what's really interesting. He was fired or left the film however it was in September of 2017 before The Last Jedi even came out. And so it's not like... because When I was reading the script, I was thinking, okay, I understand why they wanted to move away from this after the backlash of The Last Jedi. Even if I vehemently disagree with that, I understand from like a business perspective why you would want to do that. But, this, but he was fired before that even happened. Presumably he was fired because they didn't like the script. Hmm. which just blows my mind compared to what we eventually got. Now, I understand that what we eventually got in a way as a result of this script not working for Lucasfilm, <laughs> that, that they felt yeah. they had to rush to mm-hmm. get this done, and that you know Carrie Fisher's death definitely played a part in it and all of that. But it just it kind of blows my mind how much more of a film this is. Mm-hmm. Then the Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's interesting, Liz. You had said about you know like reading the the dialogue as it's written here, and kind of you know trying to picture it in your head. And there mm-hmm. were some times when I felt like they like Trevorrow and I, I got we, we should mention his co writer on this because we're not we're not ignoring them. Uh, uh, Derek Connolly. I feel like they really got Kylo Ren's dialogue correct. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like when I was reading Kylo Ren, I was like, oh wow, they they got his dialogue really well. And mm-hmm. I think they also got Ray really right. I think the other characters maybe were less well handled, but also scripts get rewritten a thousand times. And yeah. tweaked, and so this was, you know, a full probably six months to a year before they even started filming it. So there would have been time to tweak all that. So there wasn't like one glaring issue with the script. That I felt like, oh, that's why he was fired. Did you guys? Yeah. Was there a red flag for you in here anywhere? Uh, too too many strong women. <laughs> too much, is too is much, that what tipped the scale? It was just too much rose, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't. That was one note I made. I was like, oh man, all of this rose is great. Yeah. yeah. Imagine every, people every giving time... a shit about rose. Yeah. yeah. And every time you took like a step out of like the small box of star wars um in the script you're like oh but like you're pulling from other star wars source material you're just referring deeper to your own lore 
it's not new stuff. It's like homage as opposed to just copying and pasting shit. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Which is what ended up happening in um, Rise of Skywalker. It, you know, I felt like that the the old meme, like you know, just change it enough to make it look like yours. Like that's all it wants. Right. Well, I mean, let's let's sort of get into some of the uh, some of the the script stuff here. So there isn't that much from a plot perspective that winds up carrying over, aside from just like the general theme of Ray and Kylo Ren having to having to meet, having to duel at the end. Which mm-hmm. I feel like was predetermined from every Star Wars movie beforehand. Like, yes. you knew that was going to happen at some point in this. But almost everybody else's uh, character moments were totally unique to this script. Like, mm-hmm. um, Finn really does a lot here. And Finn sort of fulfills what I thought his destiny was always supposed to be here. Mm-hmm which is that he truly not only becomes a a leader of the resistance but becomes a basically like a a, a gang deprogrammer right yeah. where like mm-hmm. he is going in and trying to make the first order soldiers recognize that they are not there by choice that they are they are being abused and used and he is doing all he can to make sure that they are are getting out of this and i think that's just a really really great use of that character yes. mm-hmm. any any fin notes i figure it's gonna go character by character here for a minute yeah no i i think it, it, it finishes off his story he had doubt within him and poe helped that grow into something poe gave him his name and gave him an identity and he's doing that with these other um stormtroopers uh, it's, I, I, I like that. And it, and it feels like that, that is the moment that is the shift that brings down the empire. Mm-hmm. That's when Hux realizes his control is gone, that they can no longer like keep their foot on the throat of these people that they've been kidnapping and reprogramming. Um, and that that's really when it ends. Yeah, it just feels like, you know, it makes, to add to what you've said, it feels like it makes his story come full circle from when we first see him, you know, from that first trailer, um, from the first uh, sequel movie, Um, you know, sort of come full circle here. That's a great Mm -hmm. point, Liz. Yeah. Um, I also think that it, it, it allowed Finn to have something to do that no other character could have done. Mm. Whereas I feel like in the rise of Skywalker, Finn kind of Finn is just like anything Finn does, anything Rose does, anything Poe does really was not unique to them. They are, they are simply the non Jedi participants in that film. They don't (laughs) have any sort of, uh, character development that feels true to who they are. And I feel like this film, you get to see Rose do stuff that only Rose can do and Finn mm-hmm. do stuff that only Finn can do. And that shouldn't be a revelatory idea, but it feels 
but it feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I thought like Rose sort of fucking with the hyperdrive at the end was a, again, like we know that she is a great mechanic. Mm-hmm. No one else could have done, no one else could have sabotaged that part of the first order except for Rose. And so she did it. And so mm-hmm. I, I just liked the I liked the writers having a good enough sense of who these characters are to give them not just agency, but to give them purpose that makes sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk about the thing that's my least favorite part of this script, which is the implied Poe-Ray romance. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd that come from? I mean, yeah. To be fair, that makes more sense than the Ray-Kylo Ren kiss at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, yeah. It was like, oh, they're like brother and sister. No! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I So, I... I thought it was awkward, but I also liked her just brushing it aside, her not being the, you know, fluttery eyed maiden the way we've had Leia and um, uh, Amadala before her. She's like, no, I got shit to do. I don't care. <laughs> that was good. But yeah, it just seemed like where was this coming from? Um, your chemistry is clearly with uh, Finn. Like, right, what exactly. The- Both of their chemistries. Like, I, I, I am not shipping Finn and Ray at all here. But like, those two characters have a lot of chemistry on screen together. Maybe not mm-hmm. romantic chemistry, but they have chemistry together. You know, mm-hmm. um, and um, and clearly Finn and Poe are yeah. are just kidding themselves that they're not a couple. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> But but I do understand that the Last Jedi introduces Rose as a romantic foil for Finn, mm-hmm. and so I understand why that makes sense. But I don't understand why you then have to give these characters romance in these moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like these movies really kind of bungled the the romance department. They should have just sort of almost let things be as opposed to try to include any of it here. Yeah. Because it seems like none of it really worked. No. What's interesting is I had done some research about um, this film and Colin Trevorrow, and apparently his contribution to the, his most lasting contribution to the films is that he had suggested to Ryan Johnson that, Poe and Ray should meet at the end of The Last Jedi. Which is presumably setting up the romance here. Because they never meet in The Force Awakens. And they never meet up until they're on the Millennium Falcon at the end of The Last Jedi. Huh. Oh. Interesting. Which is crazy. When when you think about it, it's crazy that that Poe and Ray never meet. But, but, you know, um, know, their, their paths are just so divergent throughout the throughout yeah. the first film and the second uh-huh. film you know um so i i i want to say they're both at they're both at they both oh, what's the name of that planet where the rebel base is in the force awakens like after han dies ray goes and hugs leia 
and then she mm-hmm. leaves to for Octu from there. But I guess she and yeah, po, she and Poe never meet because Poe is taking care of Finn at that point. Mm. Yeah, ah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I so I mean, I, I I give him credit for at least trying to establish some baseline of relationship between them before this film because. Mm-hmm. When you realize they have one line of dialogue between each other on screen before this romance starts, it feels really weird. But if they had no lines of dialogue, it would feel mm-hmm. even weirder. Yeah. I mean, it's only like 30% less interaction than Han and Leia before they start making out. So it's <laughs> true. Or at least, to be, I mean, to be fair, Han is horny for Leia before he even sees her. Like, the idea that of is, a princess gets his blood boiling. So, that, is like, that is true. That is true. That is true. Princess? Yeah, rich princess. Yeah. He just sees his eyes bulge out of his head like yeah. a Tex Avery cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but aside from the romance. I think that what they did with Ray here was every bit as um as interesting and as I mean even as a more interesting and more sort of pushing her into being something new than we got in The Rise of Skywalker. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she talks a lot in this about how she's not you know, she doesn't want to deny herself love and she doesn't want to deny herself anger and that she wants to have sort of a more like complete use of, of her of her the emotional spectrum, right? And I mm-hmm. think that that is a really good how can I say this? A really good distillation of the problems of the Jedi from the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And so it manages to connect the prequels to the sequels in a way that doesn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested, Liz, I'm interested to hear what you thought about Ray in this. Yeah, I, I liked her and I was wondering if, I, I don't know if an issue that the powers that be had with the script was with Ray. I felt like... I, I liked Ray in this, and I liked the fact that they kept Ray as a nobody. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I felt like it was hard for me, it, the fact that, you know, Kylo Ren killed Ray's parents. I felt like that was kind of hard for me to swallow because I, I don't know, I like Kylo Ren in a sense, but I, I liked that as well. I liked that I kept her as a nobody, but I felt like it was it was dark. Um, I felt like the way that Ray was injured was dark. The fact that she was blinded. Um, uh, and, and I wasn't sure if that was an issue maybe that they had with the script. Um, I felt like they kind of wanted to keep her lighter, um, less, I don't know, maybe physically injured. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I did like her. Um, I, I like the fact that they kept her a nobody, that she wasn't from, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Palpatine was tough to swallow. But, um, <laughs> um, but you know, just it, that she didn't come from some sort of dynasty or rename herself a Skywalker. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I liked that. But I, yeah, I wasn't sure that, you know, she came across darker here. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure if that was something that maybe, you know, they didn't like. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a word to use that isn't dark, 
Yeah, me too. But I, that's I, the word that keeps coming to my mind. Yeah, and I, I don't know if that's even the right words, but just, I, I, but yeah, just, and I feel like Star Wars has a habit of keeping their female characters, I, and again, I keep going dark and light, but I had so much of Star Wars, but just, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what other word to use. Yeah, Matt, what'd you think of Liz? I mean, uh, Liz, all right. <laughs> I know, I know what you I think, think of Liz. Liz. Is fantastic. I know what you think um, of Liz. <laughs> uh, I I like this this version of her. It, it, realistically, she is the chosen one. She brings balance to the force by fully embracing this idea that there is no light and dark, and that's. And that's something that is frustrating because we see this teased every couple of years that light and dark is how we perceive the force. The force itself is not light and dark. We make it that. And her realization is a realization we've seen other characters graze Um and not because uh, I know Liz hasn't watched everything, um, but her journey here, even as dark as that is, mirrors the journey of another Jedi we've seen. And when you embrace the Force fully, you start to see beyond that, and that's where part of the losing the sight, being able to see the true nature. Um, and tying it back in, even the idea that tying it back in with Mortis, where Mortis is the, you know, epicenter of this battle of light and dark, because there's a refusal to understand that they go hand in hand as opposed to fight one another. It's all very, very representative. Um, and I love her just finally picking up that mantle of bringing balance. Um because we do not have that at the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker. It's like balance, balance equals light winning again. That's not balance. That's just dominance, which leads to the dark side. So I, I thought this was a much more a much more fitting like closing of the circle again, not just of this trilogy, but of the whole series in a very satisfying way. For me, at least. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Uh, I, I knew when I when I read the word mortis, I was like, "Oh, Matt, Matt's pumping his fist right now." This is you know all about it. <laughs> when you read mortis and when you read Bosk, I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and dark saber. Dark sabers. Oh yeah. I wasn't mm -hmm. sure if that was a dark saber or that was the dark saber. I don't know. It, it seems like. That is one thing, like, this this script is very good at closing loops. I feel like even they didn't know what the hell to do with the Knights of Ren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, she she recognizes the mask. What is it? Like, Jason Voorhees? I don't, yeah, you never <laughs> said. It's, it's the guy from Scream. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh... Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. 
Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. I want to circle back to the Knights of Ren and Kylo Ren being the one who killed Ray's parents. D- does anyone else? Does that not line up timeline wise for anybody else? It it didn't no. it didn't seem to make sense time wise to me. No, it, I think it does. And so I th- I think it does because he's of a sort of indeterminate twenties to thirties age. Uh huh. And it also for me made sense. Remember in The Force Awakens, when he hears that there's a girl, like a scavenger girl, he gets panicked. Yes. And then when he sees her awakening her powers, he realizes, oh, shit, this is bad. I it, That closes that loop for me mentally. Hmm. So that's like, oh, he's like, oh, this is the girl that I didn't kill. Um she's back and now she's going to kill me because that's what a Sith would assume. Right. How, how old is Ray? Well, that's so uh, in movie age, she could be, she could play a 12 year old. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so in my head, here's how I squared this circle. Kylo Ren. Well, so, so Ray's parents leave her when she's young and say like, we'll come back for you in my head. It's like 10 years before they actually die, though. Because the thing that was bothering me was I was thinking, but wait, Ray's parents died when she was a little kid. But they didn't. They just leave when she's a little kid. Mm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that was – because I was saying, like, wait a minute. If Ray is, like, 8 there, is Kylo, like, 11 killing her parents? Like, (laughs) it just didn't seem like that fit into the time frame we've seen from other Star Wars stuff. Mm. Um, All right. Yeah. I mean, as a whole, it makes more sense than – them getting murdered by a dude who looks exactly like the guy who hangs out with Darth Vader. Like, I don't... <laughs> yes. Who's also, I guess, uh, the clone of clone of her father? I mean, her father's a clone of this person, right? Like, yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, you know... Uh... That was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, true. So... They just leave. So, Okay. Right. Okay, um, so maybe in like hunting her down, he ended up killing them. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh so there's one line in here. We'll, we'll get back to the, the real stuff in a minute, but there's one line in here that made me laugh out loud oh, because of oh, how prophetic it is. Only one? Well because <laughs> there's one. Early on in the script, Finn looks at a cache of weapons and says, this is enough firepower to take the capital. And I was like, oh, fuck, January 6th. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Finn's a proud boy. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. I also like, because it's a script, how I guess I don't, I, I don't know the rhyme and reasoning of scripts, but some of the stuff was in all caps. Mm. And it's hard 
to read it not yelling. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm just reading random things, and it's like, I wrote this like, Power Shaft! <laughs> um, <laughs> Kylo has a new mask. It's scarier! <laughs> it's like, oh, what? <laughs> it's like me taking notes at a meeting. Like... Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, well, that know, was... I mean, so... <laughs> What's interesting, when you think about it, like a director has so much leeway because when you look at the script and then you think about the movie, like a movie, like, this is a bad example, but like if you if you were to read The Last Jedi script and then watch the movie, because Ryan Johnson is the director, he knows what he means in the script, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But when someone writes a script and someone else directs it, you could see so many scenes from this happening in 10 or 12 different ways, right? Like it's just... It's, it's kind of a, a blank slate for the director to, like, put his vision upon. So I understand why they put things like, it's scarier in there. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just, you want the person who's going to eventually be directing this to see what you're like saying. Like, where your focus is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I get that. Um, so a, a really interesting point here that I need to uh, consult with some other folks about this to, to prove this theory. But so that beacon that the Jedi have that is used. Mm-hmm. We should have said at the beginning, go read the script before listening to this podcast. We're, we're, we're talking nonsense if you haven't read the script. Um, but yeah, go read the oh. script. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, it's... C-3PO a ver- guy. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> but the... Uh, <laughs> and then is instantly regretting it. Like, is <laughs> yeah. the only character in Star Wars history to have a moral problem with death is... Just stares idiot. down the wires in his hand. What have I become? Exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I was going to say, so the, the, the beacon that, that, like, that the Jedi had set up in the Old Republic, that is essentially the plot of that new High Republic series from Star Wars. Like, that stuff that happens... Uh, oh really? Two hundred years before the um, uh, before the Phantom Menace, it it begins with this thing called Starlight Beacon. That is oh. basically the Jedi. So I, I I wonder if that was an idea that was already floating like in the Star Wars ether, and they said to him like try and incorporate this, or if that's an idea that he had that's that because Lucasfilm owns everything you write when you write for Star Wars that they mm-hmm. took and made into something else. Oh, mm. interesting. So that's I, I, I find that um really interesting. Um, all right, I I have some more things to talk about, but I, I want you guys to talk about some stuff. What what are the things that you want to talk about? Hmm. Let me. I for I really like the embracing this idea of the living force. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually call it out by name. I don't know if they would have in the film itself, but the idea of the force being bigger than we can understand, stronger than we can compete with, um, and really embracing the force as something other than just like shooting lightning, um, which I feel is what it gets broken down to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like their use of that with the force. And I also like their use of, of Luke Skywalker as a full character in this. He is literally haunting Kylo Ren. Um, He's consulting um, uh, Leia, working with Rey, and really lives up to that idea, you know, if you strike me down, I'll be more powerful than you imagine. Imagine, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he is you know, again, to splice it with a Yoda thing, he's a being of light. He's more than his body now. He's across the universe 
helping fuel this resistance, um, mm-hmm. which is so cool. Why did we walk away from that? I don't get it. It's also interesting because I believe if we continue with this time frame of things, this was written at the same time where that, like, stories of the Jedi book came out that made it clear that, like, Luke Skywalker has been communing with all of the different Jedi. Right. Um, including, like, Kanan Jarrus and um, Jedis that he's never physically encountered, but really, you know, going past the veil into this astral world um, and using them as his mentors. So it's interesting to see how these two things mirror so well, but then we break so far from it. I mean, I I would guess that if I really wanted to squint and explain how that all still fits is like all the Jedi that Rey hear from at the end of Rise of Skywalker. True. You can make the implication that she's able to commune with them because Luke's been communing with them the whole time. Okay, so that bridge is there. Okay, yeah. I, can, I don't. I, can... I don't know if I believe that or not, but that's me like squinting and trying to find a way to make that make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Liz, what's something else from the script you want to talk about? Um, I, I guess one other small thing I, I really liked. Again, I know you know we mentioned there was more Rose, and Rose had a big part here. Um, and she was sort of off on her own. I think at one point when she was being tortured, I, I think almost I was trained to expect someone to come and rescue her, but she did rescue herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wound up uh, figuring out how to that the capital itself was a ship. And she, you know, destroyed that on her own and really did wind up saving herself. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz, I uh, I wrote down the quote from the script um, where Finn asks where she is. She'll rescue him. And it says, Rose rolls her eyes about to save everyone's ass. <laughs> That's is how right. they described it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, that was something sm- I, I feel like almost like small, um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was a a, a nice piece here in the script as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that completely. Um, yeah. how did, of- how, oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. How, how do we feel about the Lando scene? 100% I liked it, better. 100% better than we got. Okay. Yes, thank you. Okay. I'm not alone in that. No, yeah. no, no. Um, you know, I... First of all, Lando showing up at the end of Rise of Skywalker is not surprising because we saw him earlier in the film do his Gene Parmesan thing and pop up out yeah. of nowhere. Um, and then I've so, been fighting these guys for 20 years. Exactly. Like, really? You suck at it. But, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, like, there's no surprise when Lando shows up there. Whereas here, the Lando scene you get is perfect. And I think the Lando scene you get is actually the closest we've seen Billy D. Williams Lando to being um, Donald Glover Lando, where, mm-hmm. like, he's he wants to do what's right but is really having a hard time with it, and he's kind of, like, he, he helps Leia enough that he, quote, like, did what he had to do for Han, right? Mm-hmm. Where, like, he promised Han to take care of her by getting her on that ship, he's taking care of her. But it gnaws at him, and he comes back. Like to yeah. me, that's a way better Lando arc than what mm-hmm. we got in Rise of Skywalker. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, yeah, and then when he comes back, did anybody catch uh, the line that the alien drops? 
Oh yeah, it was um was he's getting too old for uh yeah, 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 too old for this shit. Old for this shit. I was like, yeah. we we need subtitles for all the alien stuff. Are they saying cracks like that throughout <laughs> all the movies? Well, so uh interestingly, when the last Jedi came out, people were very upset that nobody said I've got a bad feeling about this because that's been said in every Star Wars movie. And mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson said, "Oh, BB-8 says it. You just don't see it because there's no subtitles." <laughs> so like that—that that was his workaround. Uh, so uh, I, I feel like you know who knows what they're saying in all those scenes. Who know, yeah, um, it's fantastic. Oh, speaking of droids, I was wondering oh, no. how that oh. um, R2D2 scene would play out when he was like replaying all of those past scenes. Uh-huh. Oh, I thought you were gonna say when he gets his, his head fucking blown off. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> well, I was wondering if that was done so then that at the end he could replay those scenes from the past movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that, do a highlight that, reel. <laughs> I can't imagine like even reading that, the feeling I was like, oh my God. Imagine if we had seen that on the screen uh, in New York that day. I'd have cried. I I, I'm wet. crying the whole way home. Just, just, <laughs> <wet>. <laughs> just like see just like C-3PO, apparently. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, imagine ending on that note instead of, what's your last name? Skywalker. <laughs> Although we what? do know her last name is Solana. Solana. Yeah. yeah. Which Italian. Is not... Didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ray <laughs> Solana. Mamma mia. <laughs> Prosciutto. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, it's... Uh, She's I, not a pervert. She's Italian. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, we need those t-shirts matt <laughs> um but no it's uh i was gonna say like solana is not a particularly great or terrible last name it's fine like it's you know, it's just funny to me that like kylo ren felt like she was just so incomplete without that last name that like you know mm-hmm. he had to get this out it's almost like he said like your bank debit card Four three one two. That's the code, and then die. Like, just like a piece of information that she probably could have done without, but she yeah. like had to get out before she. Uh, you know. I've stolen your identity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're subscribed to a lot of magazines. I'm sorry. <laughs> you paid, you paid forty three dollars for your first CD, but ten of them. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, that's the good shit. Um, yeah. Speaking of the droids, stuff, though, I I actually thought the droids were less obnoxious in this than they've been in other yeah. things. It yeah. gave BB-8 a real reason to exist. Mm-hmm. Yes, like he played a real role that wasn't just I'm also kind of R2D2 but newer. Right. <laughs> um, I like that. I liked him paired up with Chewy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, and the X-wing. Oh. Yeah, Chewie that in an cool. X-wing. That's great. Yeah, Chewie in an X-wing. Chewie wears no helmet. No he's helmet. Like a, he's like a Toretto. No need for a helmet. Because <laughs> he's got family. Exactly. He's got family. He does. Yeah, exactly. At one family. point, Ray does say, "Like I have family now." Uh, <laughs> yep. so. yeah, or Finn. Somebody. Friend. Somebody says that she has that they have family now. <laughs> um, so there was there was one line that I both rolled my eyes so hard they fell out oh, of my head. Oh. And oh. also loved. Oh. Please, please be the one. Is it the Hux line? Yes! Yes, it was underlined. Yep. Yeah. Oh my God. He has yeah. lost the Star Wars. <laughs> That's what the film is missing. That's why we felt so unresolved. No one declared an end to the Star Wars. That's what I said to Tylee. It's like the Upright Citizens Brigade. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, man. He had, I mean, the, he had the, Huck's got the titular line of the series. He never says it, right? Like it's it's only it's it's like a it's like a description of the he's it does no one said to him you lost the Star Wars. No, it's just like, no. It's, it's like, but and so I like though in the script how just like this was never meant to be read by us, right? This was just like yeah. this was yeah. for Lucasfilm yeah. executives, and he's like, look what I did here, look yeah. what I did. It- <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it wasn't supposed to have a voiceover like uh, Arrested Development, like it was in my head. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Ron Howard, he, he lost, lost the, the Star Wars. Wars. No. <laughs> uh, and then Harry carries himself. Yes, that was. I think that's Ooh. the one thing that would not have made it to screen. I think yeah. he would have just died yeah. when the when the ship blows up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they would have actually let him. That might have been a step too far. I mean, it's very it. It once again ties it back to its um, samurai film roots, which yes. was cool. And, um, and they're a military organization. Like a lot of times, militaries are instructed to not be captured, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, we see we see the um, suicide in um, in Mandalorian with the Empire, yes. especially with mm-hmm. uh, like the fanatics we see now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have been alluded to, like he would, like you know. Grab it and then we pan off screen and you hear it turn on. Mm -hmm. Close the door or something. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I I was surprised by that. Yeah. His attempts at being a Jedi throughout it were also very amusing. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, because again, he's just such a such a pathetic character. Um, It's great. I didn't. I didn't understand the relation between the First Order and like the the warlords. That I wasn't entirely sure about. Like, did he answer to these like regional alien bosses, or are they answer to the Empire? That was unclear. But whatever. It didn't ever get made into a movie, so <laughs> nobody has to answer <laughs> for that. Well, I, I wonder if that's like you know if. If that sort of the power structure of the first order has changed now that Kylo Ren has sort of disappeared, yeah, um, you know, I don't know. But... I do like that they're super clear that he is a shitty leader. Like Which that one, is Kylo Ren or or oh, Hux? No. They're both because they're both Kylo bad leaders. <laughs> Hux is terrible in a normal administrative way. Sure, <laughs> Kylo is just garbage because he's like, oh, I'm in charge now, but see you later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go to Mortis. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, let's see. Is there anything else in my notes here? Um, I, mean, I didn't love the Knights of Ren in this, but at least they do something. Yes. It was better than Rise of Skywalker. Yes. I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, one of the things that, that I, I, am, I appreciate about this is that they bring in stuff like Mortis or a Sith holocron. But like, if you haven't watched Clone Wars, that stuff doesn't ring exactly the same way. But you're not lost by it, right? Like, yeah, it does, like a, it, it does a really good job of incorporating past ideas without making it into something that you absolutely have to know. Yeah, like for me, seeing again the um, the season change throughout the day it, on Mortis was like a nice touch. Um, because we see a lot saw that in the series um, that like life and death cycle each day and night. 
But mm-hmm. there, it's just like, oh, this is a weird place where it snows some places and it's fall in another place. Right. You didn't need to know anything going into it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I have written down in my notes, which I writ- I had written before, uh, I guess I had written it like on page 127 of 128 or whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. was that Ray? Tr- people joke that Anakin Skywalker is Space Jesus. But Ray is really space Jesus because like they're waiting mm. for her second coming, and, yes. and, and, th- and oh, then yeah. it happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she is very much just like the next the next iteration of space Jesus. Yeah. Oh yeah. She she's the uh, yeah that's true. She's yeah. a chosen one. Yeah. yeah. So overall, I mean, I, I still think that if this had been made exactly as it was in the script, I still think it would have been my second or maybe my third favorite of the sequel trilogy. Like I don't okay. think that this necessarily would have catapulted it to number one for me, especially mm-hmm. because I, I love The Last Jedi so much. I think The Last Jedi is as close to a perfect film as Star Wars has in terms of just like, to me, that movie, Liz talked before about making decisions, and like The Last Jedi makes the mo- the boldest choices of of any Star Wars film. Yeah. And I really appreciate that from a franchise that at that time was almost 40 years old to be able to, I guess it was actually more than 40 years old at that point, to be able to do stuff that felt unexpected, I think is really important for the health of a long term franchise. Mm-hmm. And part of my problem with the, Return of, with the Rise of Skywalker was that I felt that it took no chances. And every decision it made was the most milk toast decision it could have made. And so yeah. I don't know if this would have ever gotten me further than you know, higher up the list than uh, than Last Jedi. But mm-hmm. I think that this was a market improvement over the Rise of Skywalker. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. I, I agree yeah. as well. It, 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 just from the fact that it, it doesn't feel totally arbitrary because – like when you once you mentioned once you use that word to describe the film that that's that's what it is that's really what it is the the decisions seem to make no sense i don't know why anything's happening and it just makes me not care which is terrible like for a movie <laughs> you have to care <laughs> yeah yeah i i agree yeah i don't know if there was a, a winning situation with this final movie but th- this was a better option. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say one thing that there's a character that I think is pretty noticeable in their absence here. And I think that if this film had been made, that character would have had to have taken the majority of the Leia stuff, which is Maz Kanata. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's almost no Maz in here, but I feel like, couldn't you see Maz acting in that role with Leia gone? Like if if yeah. Leia was dead, couldn't you see Maz being the uh you know, the sort of leader of the resistance who allows who 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 allows the hope to still exist in the unit all, all the stuff that mm-hmm. that, she, that that she does. I feel like is could easily have been done by Maz Kanata. With a little bit yeah. of rewriting. Yeah. No, I could see that. I thought you were going to say the guy from Lost, but... uh. Oh, no. Who... <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. My Mom apologies, is... Mary and or Pippin. I forget which one he is. <laughs> Mary. 
Okay. That would be a great proposition. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Was not, there any... not, not guy from Lost slash uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Was there anybody or was was there any piece of this that you felt was um like really as as egregiously bad as anything in Rise of Skywalker? Um, no, I again I the the Knights of Ren was equivalently bad. I think they made more sense here as like the stand-ins for the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. But Again, the stakes are really low. Is, is Ray gonna die on the way to Mortis? No, like whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything in particular. But again, you know, from page to screen, it's hard to tell. Also, right, mm-hmm. right. Um, I would say that to me, the one thing for me was, I think that the Ray Poe romance was mm. was pretty bad. Um, yeah, and I didn't love. Ray using the Jedi mind trick on Poe. Oh, I forgot about that. Like that, I, oh. I, I, I didn't love that. It just seemed to me like it seems to me like they had they were able to do everything they shouldn't have been able to do in that scene. Either it should have worked or it didn't. Mm-hmm. And then like it works, but he can still wave to her. Like it just it just seemed like it was like yeah. It, it, okay, it was, I can see it that. It was very much uh, just to they had their cake and ate it too with that mm-hmm. that's fair mm-hmm. um that's you know again like i think these are relatively minor quibbles i cannot imagine any of us feeling like it was going to be the perfect film no. right like mm-hmm. i i think that whenever you're wrapping up not just three films but wrapping up nine films there is such an expectation that you're going to be able to do like all the things and it's just impossible to do all the things in any film it, it is i you know i i think it was virtually impossible to make something that was going to be mind-blowing and pleasing to everyone mm-hmm. yeah and i don't even know what that would look like <laughs> yeah that that yeah, and that's the struggle with the main franchise Star Wars things is that it really it, it needs to be a thousand things at once, and it never yeah. will be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, I really I, I I'm actually gonna go back and record a little bit and put the, at the beginning of this like go read the script. If you want to hear okay. this episode, um, yeah, give a little, a little, little heads up. But mm-hmm. I do, I do encourage people to read the script, and I wonder if we will ever get like the Star Wars fan community is so insanely talented. I wonder if we'll ever get somebody essentially to make like an animated version of this, Ooh. or to do a deep fake version of it. You know, like mm. there, there are people out there who do that stuff all the time. I would be very interested to see if you know if they were mm-hmm. if somebody were to take this. And, um, you know, it will never not bug me how bad The Rise of Skywalker is. And it somehow bugs me even more knowing that this is better. Yeah. Uh, I know. Yep. Now we got to live with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
to be fair, I feel like if we live long enough, Star Wars does tend to like help its cause in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I think that we can all say now that the Clone Wars improved the way we look at the prequels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe there'll be a series that will improve the way we look at this. I like that. I mean, nice Lego Star Wars Halloween. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do Ooh. it. Yes, yes, it will. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> we wow. loved that holiday special. So yeah. <laughs> So let's hope they capture uh, Lego lightning in a bottle twice. So mm-hmm. uh, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back in two weeks with our discussion of the uh, final episodes of The Bad Batch, season one. There will be a season two, they've announced. So this will be yeah! uh, the wrap of season one. And remember, until next time, the Force will be with you always.